This is the Passive Real Estate Podcast, the premier podcast for passive real estate investors. Matt Jones interviews experienced passive investors who share their industry secrets and active investors who show you different ways to invest passively. Welcome back. I'm Matt Jones. And today on the Passive Real Estate Podcast, I welcome Denise Piazza. Welcome, Denise. Thank you, Matt. Happy to be here. Excellent. Uh, Would you mind telling us a little bit about yourself? Sure. I am Denise Piazza. I'm one of the founders here at One Street Capital. I'm based out of Pennsylvania, um, and I began working uh, with real estate over 20 years ago now uh, with several clients of mine. I'm a CPA. um, So while I was working at an accounting firm, I was preparing returns for some of my highest net worth clients. Um, And I noticed one of the common denominators across our portfolio was real estate investments and largely because of the tax benefits associated with investing in real estate, as as you probably know uh, very well, Matt. Um, But fast forward a few years later, my husband and I, who are both CPAs, which basically just means our children have no chance of being cool whatsoever. (laughs) Um, But we bought we began to invest in real estate ourselves. We tapped into our network of um, other real estate investors through connections, clients, things like that. And we began investing into real estate across multiple different asset classes. So single family, bought some office space, invested in triple nets, um, retail and multifamily assets as well. Um, And then, you know, fast forward to today, um, many years later, uh, we have a, a real estate investment firm um, called One Street Capital. We have over 250 million assets under management, um, and just you know, really try to tap into our experience um, and our connections that we've um, developed along the path of investing. Excellent. And what kind of assets are you investing in now? Right now, um, I'm mostly focused on um, multifamily assets. Um, I also am an, an angel investor as well. Um, but on the real estate side, I'm mostly involved with multifamily. Why multifamily? Um, I just, you know, especially in um, in the time that we're in right now with rates where we are and, you know, a lot of uncertainty in, in the macro economy, um, multifamily, um, you know, has been one of the most recession resilient asset classes um, available and has, you know, bounced back pretty much as um, you know, quicker than all the other asset classes when you look back to 2008 when it was the great financial crisis. Um, I just, you know, I, I invest in what I know and I invest in what I understand. Um, I like the other asset classes, but multifamily I am most familiar with, and it also aligns with where I am in my investing journey. So um, I think when folks get started investing in real estate, you know, there's, it, it can be overwhelming because there's multiple different asset classes. And the most important thing to know before you invest is what are your investing goals? You know, are you more concerned with steady cash flow um, and not willing to accept, you know, as much risk? Or are you willing to have, you know, some, some, some cash flow, but also have more, um, wealth acceleration and upside potential and have more velocity of your earnings. So, you know, I think it's important for folks to understand where they are in their investing journey, what their risk tolerance is, and um, just also, you know, educate themselves about the various asset classes. And how can people educate themselves? 
So there's a lot of resources out there. Um, you know, when I first started investing, I was lucky, fortunate enough to have a deep network of people who were very seasoned real estate investors, developers, um, operators, all of them, you know, all of my network had invested in multiple uh, multiple asset classes. So, you know, even though I had them to tap into, I didn't really understand um, as much as I should have how the return structures worked. So I would say, um, you know, there's great podcasts available like like yours. There's books out there. There's a ton of education. You want to make sure you're, you know, listening to, to good sources. But at the same time, there's so much more education out there now than when I first started investing. Um, so I would say, you know, tap into those in your network if you have any. Um, and if not, you know, then start reaching out to some external resources, including podcasts and books and, um, you know, things of that nature. Yeah, exactly. You don't have to just figure it all out on your own from scratch. I mean, there's plenty of people who already know how to do it successfully. That's right. That's right. Yes. There's a lot of seasoned investors out there and, you know, you want to follow in their footsteps, um, especially if they've been through a few cycles um, where, you know, uh, just like all different investments in the market right now, there's a lot of um, there's a lot of turmoil. So you you want to be, you know, if you have resources that have been through multiple market cycles and had invested through multiple market cycles, I think that always helps as well. Yep, absolutely. And so with your investments now, are you active with all of them or passive or you know uh, some? Both. Okay. Yeah, I have both. Yes, I I love to still invest passively, especially where. I'm, um, you know, don't have a strong presence with other assets or have a, um, you know, particular, uh, you know, don't know enough about bringing my investor group into that particular asset class or that group. I will invest myself passively to get to know the team that I'm investing with and, and the area and, um you know, making sure I do all the vetting up front so that I can be comfortable investing. And then if it's something that, you know, I um, I have a good experience with, I would be, you know, willing to consider, you know, doing more active investing in, with that team and in that area as well. What does your vetting process look like before you invest with a team? So um, before I was, so this is one of my passive um investing experiences. So, you know, before I had, um, when I first started investing, I being a CPA, being a numbers person, I put a whole heck of a lot of weight on the financial projections um, and the pro forma and the assumptions behind the pro forma. And I didn't, you know, pay enough attention to the team themselves and get to know that or get to establish that no like and trust factor. So I think, you know, that that has been one of the greatest learnings that I've had from my passive investing experience, because um, you may have heard this a million times on here, but a great team can turn an average deal into a home run and a average or below average team, I should say, can turn a great deal into a dud, basically. So um, my my vetting process now is, you know, from a financial perspective, um, is using the software that we, third-party software that we pay thousands of dollars a year um, to, you know, provide some market analytics around rent, around um, market assumptions, debt assumptions, 
uh, things of that nature, expenses. So we'll use those uh, resources to vet, you know, the, the numbers associated with the deal. But before we even get to that part of the process, we'll look at the, the market. We'll look at the resiliency of the market. We look at um, the job growth, the wage growth, the population growth. And we will also look at um, how, you know, how long it took that particular market to bounce back uh, when there was a last, you know, when the la last time there was a downturn in the real estate market, which, you know, most of us know the biggest one was 2008. So we look to, to those types of metrics to see how resilient that market is, that geographic market. So we'll do a lot of research and make sure that we feel very comfortable investing in an area. Um, and then, you know, as I mentioned, we'll dig into the um, to the financial side, do all that analysis. But then the the key facet that many people don't think about is is the team themselves. And again, I think you know it's difficult in this industry to to establish. I'm not going to say there's a magic pill to do it, um, but to try to establish that no like and trust factor. So you know, look for referrals from other investors. Look for, um, you know, ask them for multiple, you know, questions about how they handled various experiences. So, you know, the biggest challenges that they've had associated with the deal. Um, I'd say, you know, don't simply rely on the track record because, um, as many of us in the industry know, it's been pretty easy to make money in the last uh, decade or so um, because the market has been extremely hot. And now it's been um, in the last year or so, it's been a little bit, you know, it's been much more challenging with interest rates where they are. So, you know, it, it, certainly you should ask about the track record, but it's something that I would not solely rely upon um, in evaluating a team. I agree. I mean, the past few years, everybody's looked like a genius, uh, you know, yes. but uh, now that uh, interest rates are going up, I, I see that it's a, a real stress test against some of these properties that they you know, underwrote the, and they're on bridge loans and they're, you know, they underwrote expecting to refi into a 3% interest rate. And obviously that's not going to be happening here anytime soon. Uh, yeah. And so a lot of these deals, like <laughs> it's really hard to make them work now. Yes. Um, but uh, what are some of these questions that like, as you're getting to know a sponsor, you know, what are the questions that you ask them to determine if you also like and are going to trust them? Sure. Um, I asked them about, you know, their, their presence in that market. Um, you know, a lot of times when a team has an existing presence in a market, they have a, a competitive advantage over other um, over other operators. So they will, you know, get access to deals before other operators. They will get um, they have established that broker relationship that helps them to get um, better access to pricing, allow them to better negotiate deals because they have a negotiating factor with the broker because they already have real estate in that in that particular area. I asked them about their relationship with their property management team or if it's um, an internal team, um, meaning they're vertically integrated and they have property management in-house within their company. Um, one of the key things that I ask about are leading and lagging KPIs that they use. So their key performance indicators, um, how they, that basically is telling me how they monitor their properties and how tightly they manage them. Um, again, I think that's something that many people haven't had to pay as close attention to in the last uh, few years because, um, you know, you've been able to rely on, on the market just you know, being so hot and being able to, um, you know, have the 
the market just bail you out. And I think that now that things are a lot tighter, it's going to show the the genuinely good um, operators and how they can perform um, exceedingly well because they are able to pivot. They're able to reduce expenses when they can't increase revenue um, and they can pull different levers in order to increase the uh, net operating income of the property. Um, just being an accountant too, I asked them about, you know, controls um, that they have, you know, whether it be with a third-party property management company or if it's, um, you know, an internal company, you know, how do they make sure invoices aren't being paid twice? Um, you know, who do they use to do their accounting? Things of that nature that really just speak to, you know, how um, how well the, how well and how tightly they're managing their assets. Very good. And on your team, where you're a general partner, uh, what is your role? I am an, um, I'm involved in the um, acquisition process from the perspective of underwriting. So I will, you know, use that third party software that I talked about um, to help drive some of the assumptions. Um, and then also just because of my uh, background, I'm involved on the financial side um, as it relates to asset management. So um, one of my properties, you know, um, just had a financial review on for the month of April and literally, you know, questioning a $250 invoice and not that it's, that's going to break our budget, but um, it's more of a qualitative uh, comment as opposed to a quantitative and letting people know that we're watching every, you know, every dollar. And, you know, it might only be $250, but if it's not value add to the facility, um, you know, we need to, we need to be, um, extremely cautious about our spend. And so how can a uh, passive investor determine whether or not your team is somebody that they want to invest in versus, you know, someone else? Sure. I think, you know, the, the first thing you can do is have a conversation with them. I mean, you know, you can, if you don't know them personally, you can have a conversation with them, have a set of questions that you want to ask them. And actually on our um, website, we have a reference guide um, uh, basically it's called the 50 questions to ask before passively investing in real estate. And so, um, there's a bunch of questions on there. That's a resource that you can use. Um, many of which talk about the team themselves. So it's questions that they can ask my group. Uh, it's questions that they can ask about the market in which they're investing. And it's also questions about the, some of the deal assumptions as well. So I would say the first recommendation is to talk to them, ask for a referral, um, or multiple referrals. I think that's something you'd be surprised how many people don't ask for another investor um, as a referral, uh, just to speak with them and ask them a question about their experience and in, in working with us. Um, ask them for a sample communication from an, an existing property that they have to see how um, how clearly and concisely and uh, they articulate what's going on with the property and their and their investment. And where can people find a copy of those 50 questions to ask? It's right on our website. If you go to uh, onestreetcapital.com, um, there should be a link um, that you can access that, that guide. Okay, great. I'll include that in the show notes. Thank you. And what's a problem that you've encountered with one of your active investments and how was it handled? So, um, you know, I think in one of them um, was you know, a 
we've had some weather incidents, even in parts of the country, as you probably know, Matt, and have an experience in parts of the country that don't typically have, um, you know, freezes. So we had an asset in the southeast uh, where we had a pipe freeze, um, and the the you know the buildings and the assets themselves are not you know, they're not winterized to the same level as they, as assets are in the Northeast. So we were able to contain um, the incident very quickly. Uh, it actually happened on Christmas day, I believe. And, you know, people were able to um, address the situation very quickly. And then, you know, you not only can, you know, tap into your insurance um, where that's prudent, but you can also do things where you have, um, you know, appropriately reserved for these scenarios where you can actually go in and perform um, work to get ahead and prevent issues like that ha from happening in the future. So I think it's just having ample reserves, um, which we did again, so there was no real issue, but when, you know, when you first get that phone call, it's like, you don't know how much damage has been done and, um, and it's, you know, can be pretty, pretty alarming. Uh, so luckily for us, we, you know, we were able to contain it quickly, as I said, and we had more than enough in reserves to cover situations like that. Nice. And uh, is there anything you're doing differently now to, you know, prevent that sort of problem from surprising you again? Exactly. Yeah. So I think, you know, it's just in this environment, um, reserves for all sorts of scenarios, reserves for uncertainty with interest rates, um, reserves for potential of a, um, you know, of a recession, you know, and if, if income um, drops in certain parts, I mean, we do a lot of due diligence up front to look at median household income in the assets that we invest in so that we make sure that the tenants can absorb um, comfortably any of the, you know, the rents that they are incurring on a monthly basis. But I think it's just, you know, reserves. <laughs> That's the end of the day. Like, just be prepared for all those scenarios, um, those potential scenarios that can happen and occur and be able to pivot and, um, you know, take everything into account and just be be very cautious. Yeah, any syndication sponsor who is you know only raising a minimal amount of reserves up front uh, is just asking for trouble because inevitably something will go wrong. Absolutely, absolutely. All right, are you ready for a speed round? I am. What's your favorite part about passive real estate investing? My favorite part about passive real estate investing is the tax-free distributions that I get. Um, so, you know, uh, being a CPA, I'm very... Um, conscious of taxes. And I think I'm, I'm actually sort of cursed in that I think of everything from an after-tax perspective. So, you know, having those distributions that I can essentially use depreciation to offset is a really beautiful benefit. Yep. It's not uh, so much what you make, it's what you keep. That's exactly right. Uh, what do you know now about passive real estate investing that you wish you knew when you first got started? I think, uh, you know, it's back again in reference to the team that, you know, you're you're working with. Um, really try to get to know the team that you're dealing with. Make sure that you've done some due diligence around them. If you're doing something like for, for me in multifamily apartment investing, if um, you're working with a team that has never done a really heavy value add. So, you know, value add is when you're, you know, performing renovations 
if you've only, you know, done assets in the past where you're managing properties like, you know, 100 units, 150 units, and then you go out and buy something that's 400 units and trying to renovate it all, it's, you know, you want to make sure that they have the relevant experience um, with performing something of of a similar nature and that you're not the guinea pig that they're um, that they're learning on from from your investment. So true. And what's a book that you can recommend to other investors? Um, just from, you know, a passive investing um, perspective, I go back to that, um, the book, The Hands-Off Investor by Brian Burke. Um, I think that's, you know, really spoke to me uh, just being an accountant and just being very involved in the numbers. And um, but it also talks about the different facets that I mentioned, like the market and the team. But um, it's something that really helped me kind of understand the pro forma that was being presented uh, when I was started um, passively investing. Excellent book. How can our listeners get in contact with you if they want to learn more about what you have going on? Sure. Um, we You can feel free to join our investing community um, at onestreetcapital.com. And that's O-N-E streetcapital.com. And um, you can also message me right from there. You can connect to my LinkedIn, um, Denise Piazza, and all of that information is right on our website. Very good. Is there anything else you want to mention that we haven't covered yet? Um, I don't think so. I think that's it. Um, happy to happy to help. Um, have been in passive investor shoes before, so you know I tell people even if they don't invest with me, I'm happy to answer any questions that they have um, about a, about an investment or just about passive investing in general. Well, thank you so much, Denise. I really appreciate having you on the show. Have a great rest of your day. Thank you. You too. Subscribe to this podcast to stay updated on new episodes. Leave a review to let us know that you enjoy the content. There are tons of ways to invest in real estate that you can explore by reading Matt Jones's book called Book About Real Estate. It summarizes many top real estate books all in one. Find it on Amazon, Audible, iTunes, Google Play, or barnesandnoble.com. If you want to learn more about passive real estate investing, go to hawkwingcapital.com.